Hello and welcome to Creator Spaces, the podcast on a mission to reignite real-world connection. I'm Molly Cooper and every episode I share the stories behind incredible people doing brilliant things in the world of travel, design and hospitality. From the founders and owners who have brought spaces to life, to chefs, writers, designers and many, many more, join me as I sit down with the teams connecting people and places across the country. I'm also incredibly excited to share that soon you will be able to connect with Britain's best slow living spaces and under the radar finds on the brand new Curated Spaces platform. From weekly giveaways to flash sales and last minute availability, we're making 2024 the year of the staycay. Head to our website to get yourself on that early bird list and you can bag yourself some pretty lovely prizes in our pre-launch giveaway. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's conversation. In today's Snapshot episode, I'm incredibly excited to be talking about what it takes to go from concept to reality when bringing a space to life. While many people may think about interiors as the cherry on top of the cake, I'm joined by Sarah Wakefield, Creative Director at Jolie Studio, to hear all about their unique approach to creating interiors that offer immersive, multi-sensory experiences. Sarah, it's such a pleasure to be chatting with you today. Welcome to Creative Spaces. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Molly. That was a lovely introduction. It's so great to be here. Oh, well, I'm really looking forward to this one. I've been binging last year's Interior Design Masters on BBC, so can't wait to chat all things interiors with you. Um, But before we do, I'd love to hear a bit about you and your background and how you've ended up here at Jolie. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much. So yeah, so um, I'm Sarah, the creative director at Jolie. Um, I've been at Jolie for just over a couple of years now. Um, but previous to that, I've sort of got over 11 years experience within the interior design industry, especially um, in hospitality spaces. Um, I think hospitality spaces not only is a passion, but I also spend a lot of time in bars and restaurants and great wine bars and know exactly how they function. Um, But I previously worked for Soho House. I was their senior interior designer. Um, So my roles and responsibilities there were sort of designing and opening up all the brand new houses, not only in the UK, um, but globally as well. So that was a great challenge and a privilege to be part of that. To add to all of that hospitality experience, I think... What really drew me to that area and that sector was that these places are spaces that you go to in your free time. You dwell there, you know, whether it's your morning coffee or whether it's your glass of wine after work. And it's so important to make those spaces feel great as well. And so I have worked behind plenty of bar. So also know the complete operational side to them as well. Um, But yeah, it's great to sort of be able to design some of the most beautiful hospitality spaces um, in the UK to date. Yeah. And Soho House is a brand. They've just nailed that sort of aesthetic so well, haven't they? You can just feel it the moment you walk in. So what, what a cool brand to be part of the journey of. Yeah, definitely. And, and Soho House, obviously a well-known brand that everyone knows, and, and they do do what they do extremely well. Um, and they sort of relate it to the current area, the current sort of people that are using it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely always one to keep on your radar as to the latest openings. Mm, absolutely. And you kind of spoke about it then, this whole idea of, yes, you have to make something that's beautiful and that users love to be in that space and they enjoy spending time there. But there is this operational side behind, which I think leads really nicely into what we're going to talk about today, which is this whole interiors aren't just something you like slap on the end, whack a bit of paint up. Like They are, I, which I didn't realise until starting this podcast, you think about them from like 
day zero, like how you want the space to be, how you want people to behave there needs to be part of it. I know you've been working on an exciting project, which we can't say too much about in the Cotswolds, but I know we're going to explore sort of what that process looks like through this project. So I'll hand over to you to sort of tell me a bit about how you get started and what comes first. Yeah, definitely. Um, So at Jolie, we really sort of focus on how you feel well within a space. Um, I think quite a lot of interior designers and practices uh, focus on the look of a space, so how it looks and, you know, is it following the latest trends or is it using, you know, the Pantone colour of the year? Um, What we tend to do at Jolie is really sort of strip away and move away from all those trends um, and really think about how we want people to feel within that space. And that can vary whether it's a workspace or whether it's a hotel or even if it's a residential space. And we quite often ask the clients at the beginning of the project, how do they want people to feel? How do they want their guests or their clients to feel? And that can range from feeling really calm, really disarming, really relaxed to feeling really sort of uplifted and, you know, energized um, and creative within a space. And what we do is we take those emotive words and really start to build the design based on that. Um, the reason we have that approach and the reason we do that is because we create projects that have a real longevity to them. They do stand the test of time. And some of the projects that we've designed sort of six, seven years ago look timeless and look like they could have been designed yesterday, which really sort of proves that what we're doing um, is working, which is great. Um, one thing at Jolie that we really sort of focus on and really pride ourselves on is sort of the science behind all the decisions that we make. So we address all five senses at Jolie. So not only visually how something looks, but how it smells um, the sound, taste as well in certain restaurants um, and touch as well. Um, and they're all really important factors when designing a space. So, for example, touch, you know, I I use airports as an example all the time. They're full of really hard, echoey finishes. And that's on purpose because they want you to get through security and get straight to your gate gate as quickly as possible. And so the hard surfaces make you transition through a space much quicker. Whereas in our members clubs like Soho Houses, for example, you see sort of a lot more soft um, materials like big lounge chairs, big club chairs, shag pile rugs um, that feel softer underfoot. And the reason for that is they want you to move slower throughout the space. They want you to, you know, calm your heart rate down and really experience the space. Um, so materiality and touch really come into play quite a lot in all the sort of projects that we design. That is so interesting. And I think as humans these days, we're quite bad at being like, I'm fine. I'm not in tune with nature or the seasons. And I spend too much time on my phone. Um, and you think you're so detached from like the world around you. But actually all this, these like energy, you know, that crazy energy theory about how you can like play rice, happy music, and it like doesn't go moldy, you know, that kind of stuff. There is all this like interconnected energy and the places we're in and what it looks like and how it feels has such an impact on us. So I think it's so interesting that you start with that. Definitely. And we experience all the five senses every day in every space that we go to. You know, as you walked into the into work today, there'd be music in the background, there'll be a scent, there'll visually be an aid in front of you. Um, but you don't really compute that within yourself. Uh, whereas, you know, we know that scent, for example, is one of the most memorable senses. That's the reason why we can always smell our ex-boyfriend's perfume walking down the street because it's so memorable. Um, so we really do bring that in at the very sort of beginning of the project, um, which is something that we're really passionate about. And we also see that through to completion as well. So 
the hotel process, you know, we bring the scent through at the beginning and then at the end it's installed within the hotel space and the lounge space itself. So you have that longevity and that timelessness to it as well. Mm-hmm, that's amazing. And when spaces come to you and they want to get you involved with their, their build, or say this one that you've been working on, do they often have a very fleshed out idea of, of all of this? Or do you need to sort of sit down with them and kind of unpick those ideas from their mind, their brain? And if so, like, how do you do that? How do you even start to bring someone's dream into a concept and then reality? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Obviously, clients vary and we work with some absolutely brilliant clients um, that we're really proud of. Um, it can completely vary. I think one thing that we do at Jolie is we disarm them a little bit. I think they come in and they have their list of, you know, how many covers they need in a restaurant, how many people behind the reception desk. And then when we start talking about how you want those people to feel within the space, they really lean into it and they really start to build that picture. It's all part of, you know, interiors is a small part of creating a product there's the brand there's the people there's a space and we are really sort of human centered in how we design um so we really sort of lead them down that path and help them create those spaces so for example this project that we're designing in the Cotswolds at the minute which is a beautiful um hotel um which is in a restored loving restored sort of listing building and we've created pockets within that space that make you feel you know really calm and really relaxed whether that's a little bit of a reading nook or a space where you can have your morning coffee and read your paper Um, and then there's other areas like the hotel bar where it's a bit of an honesty box where you can go you can help yourself to a glass of wine and you know read a great book or chat with friends and we've created those different sort of sensory experiences throughout that ground floor of the hotel and to encourage people to really sort of bring themselves and do whatever they wish to do um, throughout that space um, which is quite exciting and and what's more important is we talk a lot about this it's sort of brief taking stage but the beauty of it is when you see the space open and fully function and being used at how you designed it and described it from a sensory point of view there's nothing more satisfying at all it's it's great to see I can so imagine. And I, 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 there must be something so special and you are there every step of the journey and then you see these designs come to life and then maybe how you thought someone might use an area, you might see it being used completely different way that you hadn't imagined. And what's that like? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's part of it, isn't it? Because we're all humans, you know, and we do do things differently. There's not a textbook, everyone's the same. And I think that's quite nice because you naturally see a product grow and a product be used to its best potential. Um, And it's our responsibility as an interior designer to just really set those guidelines and set those spaces up for use, really. And we do quite a lot with colour psychology at Jolie. Um, so as I mentioned before, we don't just pick a color because it's trending or, you know, that's the top image on Pinterest or Instagram. And um, we pick a color because of the properties associated with it. So, for example, we know that blue and green colors really remind us of, you know, the countryside and outdoor spaces and rural areas. And they're proven to lower the heart rate and make you feel really relaxed. So we'll usually bring those colors through in sort of lounge areas. So, for example, in the project in um, the Cotswolds 
walls. And we've brought that through in sort of the textiles and the upholstery and the curtains and the light sort of wash of the wool finish that naturally makes you feel really relaxed without it being, you know, a really bright color or something that's really in your face. So that's really interesting um, as an interior designer to really sort of play around with those sort of tones um, from a sensory point of view and create a beautiful product at the end of it. Yeah, definitely. I love how when you start to look under the hood or pick apart interiors, you can sort of analyse every single little thing that goes into it. And then you still bring it into something that's holistic and still functions as a space, but encompasses all this little detailing that you wouldn't know if you just looked at it. You know, we hear it from other interior designers, but those touch points in terms of styling or you know, what glassware you're holding or the artwork on the walls, you know, they, they all have a reason and there's thought behind each one. It's it's unfortunately not a happy accident that it all sort of um, links in together. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really important to create that sort of sensory um, feeling through every touch point, every, even down to, you know, the handle on the front door of the hotel. That's the first thing that you touch and hold when you enter the space and you want to make sure that feeling, whether it's caught a cold handle or a warm handle or is it heavy or is it light sort of stays with you you know throughout the space so yeah there's a lot of detail that really does go into and the interiors of a project wow I love it you can get down to such a minute level of detail it's incredible and I'd love to talk about something else which I know is really important for how you design and think about your projects which is sustainability and obviously this is everywhere at the moment and there's so many shifts going on as people try and buy pre-loved furniture rather than new and reusing what they've already got I'd love to hear how you sort of approach sustainability which I appreciate is like a big bucket um, at Jolie and how that influences how you design Yeah, definitely. So our aim at Jolie, and I don't say this lightly, is to become the most sustainable interior design practice. That really is not only our aim, but our mission. Um, And we're doing everything that we possibly can um, within our studios in Manchester and London to make that happen. Um, It's our responsibility as interior designers to really sort of live and breathe that. You know, we understand that the construction industry as the whole is probably one of the most unsustainable industries um in the uk um, we know as designers that we do contribute to that as well so we want to create spaces that are really really stand the test of time and have a longevity to them and a timelessness to them um, so a few practical things that we do within the studio is you know we have stripped out our library and we started again um two years ago that was a very messy day, I would say. Um, and there was definitely pizzas for lunch that day. Um, but we started again and we really refilled our library with sustainable options in terms of materiality. Um, we also have a sustainable questionnaire that we give to suppliers and we ask them to fill that out before we sort of allow their products into our library. So we can make sure that we're really sort of bettering ourselves in terms of the products that we're specifying. Um, that's one element to how we're sort of looking at sustainability. Um, but one um, item that's really really sort of top of our agenda at the moment is social sustainability Um, and that's something that not a lot of people really touch on too much within design Um, but with social sustainability what we aim to do is galvanize people within our spaces that we design and we want to create communities and really sort of bring those people together within them and it's proven that a collective feeling is much more sustainable than being on your own you know it's how you you know borrow a cup of sugar from your neighbor it's that 
borrowing sense and that sustainability and that community that is really important um and how we do this at Jolie is we look at the demographic we study their behaviors and we create spaces that do make you feel a certain way um, when you enter and create those sustainable communities which is fantastic mm-hmm. and I think that's incredibly special because obviously all these spaces were made well basically for one thing and that was to bring people together in this space in this moment in time and actually yeah. to start with that human connection that actual purpose of bringing us together and that's your starting point I think that's really cool and you're right not no one else really seems to talk about it like that yeah definitely and and don't get me wrong we do also look at reusing it as much as possible and um, this beautiful hotel that we've got um in the Cotswolds at the moment you know as gorgeous as it is it's a tapestry of different buildings built across different eras you know going from sort of the Stuarts down to the 2000s extension it's, it's a beautiful building and it's got its flaws and it's got its um, characters in its own sort of certain way and our aim is to really celebrate that and really use the bones of that building and so we're trying to reuse as much as possible you know we're reusing FF&E like wardrobes we're getting them um, re-finished really sort of giving them a new lease of life you know sort of more vintage furniture we're getting sort of reupholstered and new foam put in them and sort of giving them a second chance really and again it all links back to sensory because you know the touch of a a beautiful wooden armchair that's been there for you know years and years just feels really comforting and really relaxing and again that's something that we want to bring through and within Mm -hmm. the space that we design as well yeah absolutely and just as you were talking then I was like oh I've got really itching now to go and like refinish my wardrobe and breathe some new life back into my old bits and bobs so for people listening in who are really interested by this like sensory approach by putting sort of humans first when they're thinking about design maybe they're going to do a little renovation of their own home this year or maybe they've been thinking about it and never getting around to it or maybe they live in a rental and they just want to do a little something something with an old wardrobe they've got off ebay but what can people take from your Jolie approach and apply to their own projects at home? Yeah, definitely. They can take so much. And I love this question because I'm sure other interior designers out there know the amount of times that they get asked, you know, what colour should I paint my feature wall? Or what should I do in my new bedroom? And, you know, it's the bone of our life to get asked those questions. Um, that's the day job, not the um, out of office job. Um, but one thing that I would encourage anyone at home, and again, this is quite an exciting task to do, and I've done it myself in my own house, is sort of to really think about how how you want a space to feel. So for example, people want their bedroom to feel really calming, really relaxing, you know, somewhere that at the end of the day, they can go, they can switch off, you know, there's hardly any sort of styling elements or artwork, it could be like beautiful and neutral tones, everything could be sort of fitted and sort of hidden away. And that really gives you the headspace and enables you to, you know, switch off at the end of an evening and light a candle and just really relax into your bedroom. Um, whereas other people might want that to feel quite invigorating and help them, you know, get up in the morning. So they might want it to feel quite uplifting. Um, and we always pair sort of uplifting spaces with, you know, the yellowy, orangey tones. And when I say that, I don't mean paint a wall yellow, but I'm, I'm saying maybe bring through those tones in like a jute rug that could come through, you know, that slightly warmer feel that does make you feel more sort of uplifted um, in the morning. And again, when you use those parameters and you study, study sort of colour psychology and colour theory, you can really start to build your own interior design. Um, and by doing it that way, you're going to avoid all the trends. So don't look at your saved items on Instagram or Pinterest. Just 
go off what you want that space to feel and base it on those sensory words. And ultimately, you're going to create a beautiful space that is bespoke to you and is suitable for you only. Mm -hmm. I love that. When I was getting my flat, I remember speaking to my mum and being like, I'm seeing micro cement everywhere. So I think I'll just cement the whole flat. And she was literally like, why don't you move in and buy a rug first? Yeah. I know. I think I think that's the frustrating thing, isn't it? You know, trends are trends. They they do come and go. And don't get me wrong, you know, like Japandi came in a few years ago. Layback luxury is now in now. And they're great and they're beautiful spaces and they really do work. But then in a few years they disappear and something else comes. And that's what we've really tried to avoid with our projects and just really sticking to sort of how you want to feel within a space and keeping humans and people at the center of the spaces, which is ultimately how they're best used anyway, creates a great product. Um, Also to that, I I guess another sort of additional tip is I would 100% use vintage, you know, Um, there's probably stuff in people's houses that they don't enjoy at the moment or they need a new lease of life um and I would really encourage anyone to you know think really creatively about that you know move the position in the room move it outside you know kind of be used as outdoor furniture instead um reupholster yourself it's much easier um than you think um I think everyone had a bit of a go um over lockdown but I do think that really gives a new lease of life and it really helps that sustainable um question that we're all sort of challenging ourselves with as well and you know, there's loads of sustainable materials out there, but the best way you can be sustainable is by reusing what you have. Yeah, I love it. And what a brilliant note to end on. It's been so interesting chatting. I do, of course, have a quick fire round to do with you yeah. if you're up for yeah. it. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Number one, uh, what is the one item in your home that you would save from a fire? <gasps> I love that. So there's a one, that is a great question, by the way. Also, I'm like, how, how many items could I carry at once is what immediately went through my head. I know, yeah. How many can I hold? Um, the one item that springs to mind um, is a piece of artwork um, that I have that I actually got for my 30th birthday. Um, it's an original um, piece by Simone Brewster, who's um, an artist, UK artist. She produces some amazing pieces and it's definitely a keepsake for me I had it beautifully framed um when I was in London um and it's gone with me wherever I've been and it just reminds me of a certain moment in time and it still looks great in every new flat that I've been in and every new house that we've had it's always found its little place and yeah it's just very personal and it adds so much to the interior as well it's a it's a piece that really does just make me happy and when I look at it it's lovely I love that a lovely answer oh God, I've got all the feels from that. (laughs) (laughs) And if someone was going to invest in one statement piece for their home, what would you recommend they choose? Oh, that is such a good question. That is such a good question. And I ask myself that all the time. Um, A statement piece, I personally would invest in the pieces that you're going to use the most. Um, 
that is really where your value is. And um, whether that is a great armchair that you want in your bedroom, that you want to read your book in every evening, or you want to sit there and, you know, have a conversation yeah. or whether it does turn into that chair that you throw all your clothes on in your bedroom and it's an extension of your wardrobe, hopefully not. Um, or a sofa, you know, sofas are brilliant. Um, obviously, you sit on them most of the time. They want to feel really cozy, really squishy. Um, I would really focus on something that you're going to be using the most. Um, mm-hmm. Thing for me really stands out. And also a great bed and a great mattress. If you want a great night's sleep, I would definitely invest in a great mattress. Mm-hmm. That is so true. Okay, so we've got a few options to choose from there. Yeah. I love it. And where do you personally find your inspiration? Are there any spaces or designers or resources that you like to go back to to be inspired for your projects? Yeah, for me, inspiration comes with traveling. Um, At Jolie, we're a team of really culturally curious people and designers, and we really do encourage people to travel, whether that's, you know, on holidays or for design fairs. Um, But last year, I recently went to Japan um, in September, and I was also in Mexico um, earlier in 2023. And for me, sort of removing yourself from your daily routine and your daily surroundings and sort of dropping yourself in a completely different country and culture and different ways of doing things, you take so much inspiration from there. Um, You know, my camera roll is ridiculous with the amount of photos and bits of fabric and things that you see. And yeah, that is definitely sort of the best firsthand inspiration I think you can get. Mm -hmm. I love it. And then if there was one project anywhere in the world, any type of project that you could work on, what would it be? Oh, I love that. It would have to be somewhere warm. (laughs) Yeah, some sun and a tan at the same time. Yeah, definitely. I think I would absolutely love to do a hotel, sort of a boutique hotel on an island, really remote um, and really sort of authentic and down to earth would be the absolute dream. Um, Mm -hmm. You can tell the travel is coming into that a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. What a great answer. Oh, well, I really hope you get that project in the future. I'm incredibly excited to see the Cotswolds Hotel when it's all open. Um, but thank you so much for chatting with me today, Sarah. It's been such a pleasure. No, thank you so much, Molly. It's been so lovely talking, and yeah, it's been great, uh, a great time. Oh, I can't even begin to tell you how much I loved that chat with Sarah. As someone who dreamed of being an interior designer and spent too much of their life on Sims, such a joy to hear about what actually goes into the process and what it takes to bring a space to life. Thank you, Sarah. And I'm so excited to see the opening of this mystery space later this year. And thank you, of course, to all you lovely listeners who tune in week after week. Thank you for your kind words, reviews and ratings. It really means the world and keeps the podcast going. I'm also incredibly excited to announce that the Curated Spaces podcast is soon to become the Curated Spaces platform, where we'll be connecting curious travellers with the best slow living spaces and under the radar finds around the country. If this sounds like your kind of thing, then please do head to our website to get yourself on that early bird list and keep your ears peeled as we start to officially count down to launch in the next few weeks. In the meantime, I will of course see you next time for more Curated Spaces.